We're going to get into the Word, and we're going to talk about getting filled up, all right? If you would, go ahead and turn over to Psalm 23. That's a familiar psalm. I did a funeral not very long ago, and uh, lots of times we read Psalm 23 at a funeral, but Psalm 23 is not a psalm about death, it's a psalm about life. And uh, it's a psalm about our lives. And uh, David, shepherd boy, recognized that the Lord was his shepherd. Amen? But uh, it's, it's a, familiar, a familiar psalm, but uh, we'll just uh, start from the top because it's just good, all right? And we'll get to the part I wanted to see in a minute. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You see that? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, D David said, my cup runs over. He was just a kid, just a young man, learning how to walk with God. And yet, you know, he said, my cup runs over. Do you understand that, 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 uh, that God doesn't want you to just say, you know, when, when, when uh, we have a refrigerator that you set the ounces of water that you want to fill up your glass and, and you hit the button and it, you know, it fills it up, and, and, but you don't put in more ounces now. It would let you put in 20 ounces in a 15-ounce glass, and then it would run all over the thing and fill up the little tray and then run out on the floor, right? You know, at, at the gym we go to, you can wear one of those belts that keeps track of your, your heart rate and, and things and calculates the, you know, they, put, they type in, you know, they calculate how, what your maximum heart rate should be for someone your size and your age. And they, uh, <clears throat> if you watch the monitor, it can go past 100%, okay? Be because you can exceed your recommended maximum heart rate if you push it harder than you probably should. All right, you know, when you're a little older, they, they, they put those numbers down a little bit so that you don't work your heart too hard, all right? But, but you can go past 100%. But see, God wants us all to live past 100%. He, he wants you to have so much stuff that you've got to get rid of it, okay? That's, that's what he wants. See, if, if you look back in Deuteronomy, and we may, we may go there in a few minutes, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, it starts talking about the blessings of the Lord and what, and what that looks like. And it says that, that you, will, you will lend and not be the borrower, right? Okay, you can't, if, if you don't have more than you need, you can't lend, all right? If you, if you have just enough money to get by, you don't have anything there to loan anybody, you know? If, 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 I, if I have you know, $1,000 worth of expenses, and I have 1000 bucks. I don't have any to give you. You see what I'm saying? But, but God doesn't want any of us to live there. David, young man, out with the sheep, figured out, my cup runs over. He knew that's where God wanted it to be. He, didn't, he knew God wanted him to have more than he needed. 
You know, he knew that God wanted him to have enough to share. That's what God wants. You know, David realized that goodness and mercy were chasing him down everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he was tracked by goodness and mercy. It says so in the end of that psalm. Now think about that. You know, some people say, you hear them say, well, that's just my luck. Really? You know what? That's not what God wants for you. You know what? That's not what he wants. I'm not saying you shouldn't say that, but uh, you might want to think about that one. But, uh, you know, David said goodness and mercy were tracking him down. They were following him everywhere he went. I like that. I I think I want goodness and mercy chasing me around everywhere I go. I'll let him catch up. All right? That's a good thing. My cup runs over. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul was writing about his ministry, and uh, he, he was talking about his limitations, and yet with his limitations as a human being, he also recognized that he didn't have any limitations. Do you understand that? You have physical limitations, uh, just like, you know, at the, at the gym, it says my heart rate's a certain number. They, the, they recommend as my maximum. But you know what? I, I may have limitations in my body, but in God, we don't have any limitations. We only have limitations that we set. And, uh, and as far as us accomplishing everything that God wants us to accomplish. You know, Paul said that. I think it's Acts 23. He said, I want to finish my course. I want to finish my course. You know, well, what's his course? Well, you're going to have to get close to God to find that out. All right? But, but he wants you to finish your course. He doesn't want you to finish too early. He doesn't want you to quit. He doesn't want you to give up. You know, we, we, we can do that, though. We can get discouraged, and, and yet that's not living in the place that God wants us to live. That isn't my cup runneth over. That's my cup runneth empty. Okay, we, that's, that's not a good place to live. All right? Ever run out of gas? Yeah, that is a bad thing. Are you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? All right. Paul, let's just look at verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, goodness and mercy, we're chasing Paul around too. Look at that. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Skip down to verse 7. But we have this treasure. What treasure? We'll look at that in a second. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. You see, Paul was limited, but he figured out that that power, that treasure inside of him, that fullness that God puts there, that cup that's running over, that wasn't from him. He knew that, all right? You know, how many of you have noticed that, that at the end of the day, you can run out of gas, so to speak, physically, all right? You know, the other night, uh, my wife and I were laying, <laughs> laying there, the lights on, and yeah, I think, what time did I wake up? 2.30, I think. Yeah, the light was on, and, and I, was, I was conked out while we were laying there talking. Oh, well. Anyway, so you get up and turn the light off and whatever, but, but you know what I mean? You know, I, I ran out of gas. That's just a fact. But, but, but Paul is saying here, you know, we have this treasure. You know, the presence of God, you guys, 
oh, we, we just take it so much for granted that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And, 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 and that is a treasure beyond anything that is even imaginable, to have the presence of God himself inside of us, resident inside of us. We have a treasure. You know, whether you know anything about God or anything about walking out the Christian walk, we have a treasure inside of us. And Paul's like, so that, and, and, and that treasure, that power, that Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is, as, is residing inside of us. And, and Paul, he just kept going here. We can read, the greatness of the power will be of God and not our, ourselves. We are fl- afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And the end of verse 11 says, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. You see that? You know, God wants you full. He wants you full of him. He wants you full of his power. He wants you full of his glory. He, he wants you running over and not running un- empty. He, he wants you walking in a way so that even though you're afflicted, it doesn't crush you. Have you ever felt that way? It's the most awesome feeling. You think to yourself, you know, I should be upset. There's stuff going on. I should be upset, and you're thinking I'm not at all. You ever been there? That is a great feeling. You know, when, when somebody does you wrong, and you think I should be mad at them, but you check right here, what's there? peace and love, and somebody wronged me one day. They, they went and told somebody I had done something that I hadn't done. I was not very happy. It was in a work environment. I was not happy with this person at all. And I was thinking about giving them a piece of my mind. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I bet you the Lord will, you know, he'll give me the words to say. And I check right here, and all I, there is right there is just love. Just love for this person. I'm like, Lord, I'm not, I'm not really wanting to feel love toward this person at this exact moment. But, but you know what? You know, you just walk in that. And, and you know what? That's what he's feeling toward him. You know what? I, I'm good with that. You know, he knows him better than I do. And, you know, anybody can make a mistake. You ever made one? You don't have to raise your hand. I already know. <laughs> you know? We've all said stuff, done stuff we shouldn't have done. You know, we, we you know, maybe, you know, uh, what is that phrase now? Hangry. You know, you're hungry, angry. Yeah, I, I can get like that. But you know what? But that doesn't, that doesn't excuse me saying stuff that I shouldn't say. All right. Look, look back, back up a few books to Acts chapter 2. Let's just take a look at this real quick. And uh, this is one of those, did you ever notice this? I imagine most of you did, but if you didn't, you should notice this. It's important to know. All right, Acts chapter 2, at the very start of that chapter, the the disciples in chapter 1, Jesus went back to heaven. He told them, you wait, don't go anywhere. You wait in Jerusalem and, and until I send the Spirit. And he had talked to them throughout his ministry about the fact that he was going to send his spirit. They had no idea what that meant, but he said he was going to do it. So they were going to wait, and they were waiting, and and they did a number of things. But Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, 
They, the disciples and other followers of Jesus, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So you see there, they were all filled, and that's a place, that's what God wants. He wants you filled up with Him. Amen? All right? So turn over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 3 and 4 are the account of when, then, so now Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with power, they were like, well, what do we do? So they, they thought, well, let's go up to the temple and pray. They, they you know... God was starting a church, but they had no idea what to do. So they were like, well, let's go pray. Good idea. So they headed, up to the, they headed up to the temple, and as they got close to the temple, there was a beggar at the gate, beautiful, asking for money, right? And, and, and he, he, had, he, he was collecting coins if they were so willing to give them to him. And so they, you know, the story, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give to you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So he was healed. This huge crowd gathered. They were added to the church, and then Peter and John got arrested. And, and then, you know, they got pulled in before the, the council of the Jews, and, and uh, they, uh, they told them to be quiet. <laughs> and Peter and John said, you know, well, it's probably better for us to obey God instead of you. They didn't really want to hear that, but they let him go anyway. So in Acts 4, in verse 23, now this is one of those things I just, like I said, did you ever notice this? I want you to notice this, all right? When, when, verse 23, when they had been released, they went to their own companions. You see that? That's, that's a good thing. You know, we have, we have companions here at this church. You know, you may not know people very well yet. Maybe you're new, but you know what? Get to know some people so that when, you know, when, when, you, when you, you know, get released from prison or whatever, you've got somewhere to go. <laughs> well, that's what they did. <laughs> it was a good idea. Think about it. Anyway, we all have, ought to have a good place to go. You see, you're here on Wednesday night. We have a good time here on Wednesday night. It's a great place to go. I can think it's way better than Walmart, you know. Think about it, you know. But here we go. When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they, when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who have made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our Father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. And, and they were praying. Do you see that? And skip down to, uh, well, no, well, let's not skip. 27. For truly in this city that there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, now they're now, where they are, what they just experienced. Now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. 
And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, do you see that? Now, were they filled before? Okay, so now it says they were filled again. Were they filled or were they not filled? You know, like I said, if you've never noticed this, you should take notice of this because, okay, if you're filled, you're filled. You understand that? See, this bottle is full, or at least it's very, very close to full. You can't fill it again, okay? You can't just add this much more water to it. It won't fit. You understand that, right? So, so you know, that, that, that passage of Scripture, we know this. You know, most of us know this already, but, but bear with me. It, it's just we need, to, we need to address this, okay? That, that passage way back where it says uh, they were filled with the Spirit, but like in Ephesians where it says don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, that be filled with the Spirit is not just a, a one-time thing, okay? It, it's a continual present thing. It's a be being filled is the a correct translation of that. He wants you to stay full. So you have to keep filling up. Do you understand that? You have to just, now, now and we're going to talk about how you do that, but, but he wants you to stay full. And, and you know, he, 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 is, he has no shortage. You understand that? You understand that, right? He has no shortage at all, okay? Turn, turn back to 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings, the book of Kings, talks about the, prop, the ministry of the prophets Elijah and Elisha who followed him. When Elijah went to heaven, Elisha, uh, actually Elijah said to Elisha, he said, what do you want from me? Because Elisha kept following him. And, and he said, you know, he, he knew he was going to go to heaven that day because Elijah got supernaturally taken to heaven in a chariot of fire. But, but Elisha knew he was going to heaven that day. And, and so he, he, you know, Elijah kept saying to him, stop, stop following me. Stop bugging me. It's like goodness and mercy chasing him around. And, and, Eli, and Elijah's like, no, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to keep following you. And finally, Elijah goes, well, what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah goes, well, that's a hard request. He goes, I don't know. But if you see me go to heaven, you'll know you have it. And he did see him go to heaven. So we knew he had it. So when he walked away, he took Elijah's robe and smacked the river and it parted and he walked through. I mean, you know, the guy. Okay, but if you actually look, if you count up the miracles that Elijah did, and then you count up the miracles that Elisha did, he had twice as many as Elijah. So one of them is in, recorded in 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, what, how they did things was the prophet, so Elijah was the head prophet, and then he had followers with him. And, and Elisha like, had like a school of the prophets. They, they all hung around him, and they all learned from him. And uh, he probably sent them to do different things, you know. And uh, one of the men who had been in the school of the prophets uh, passed away. And his wife was kind of destitute. She was kind of in trouble financially. So, so 2 Kings chapter 4, at the beginning of that, discusses what, how Elisha fixed that. All right? So let's just start reading that. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, 
Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask just for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought, to her, uh, they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. So she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your son can live on what is left. Must have been quite a bit. But why are we looking at this? Because who limited the amount of oil that she got? She did. Do you see that? See, see and, and the same thing is true of us it, it, in a symbolic way. The same exact thing is true of us because we're the ones who limit how full we are with God. All right? It, it isn't up to mark how full I am of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with him at all. It's up to me. And just like this lady, she was the one who had to go collect all the jars, and I bet she was like, man, I should have collected a few more. There's some things that we can do to stay filled. So how do we do that? We need to be ready to receive, expect to receive, and be available, kind of like the lady in her jars, all right? You know, if she was ready. Do you understand that? She was ready. She was available, and she expected to receive. She, in faith, went and did that. Now, I don't know how much she may have thought, I only have this much faith, but it didn't take more than this much faith to take the little tiny bottle of olive oil she had and start. All right? If she had said, no, that won't work, I'm not going to do that, then she would have never had anything, and I don't know what. They would have been destitute, and the sons would have gotten sold into slavery, and that would have been that. But no. She had this much faith, she went and did what the prophet said, and it worked. And then she kicked herself for not having more jars. I know she did. So, number, number two, there's some things that we need to do to kind of cleanse ourselves, sanctify ourselves. That word sanctify means to set apart, okay? You know, we don't want to just live like the world lives. Some, some Christians try to do that, but you know what, I can tell you right now, they're miserable right here. Because you can't live like the world and, and feel good about that if you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you because you were made for better things than that. You understand that? God's not trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to get you to a better place. You see how that works? You know, the Bible talks about when you come into a meeting, you know, it says sit in the back seat because then if... if uh, if they want to honor you, they'll come back there and say, you know, they'll grab hold of Zach and they'll take Zach and they'll move him up to the front, sit up here, and they'll honor him. But, you know, if you take somebody's seat, you know, if, if you sat in pastor's seat, the ushers would come and say, okay, you need to move back there because that's, that seat's saved for pastor. And that'd be embarrassing to, have, to get kicked out of the seat, you know, and get hauled away. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? You know, there, there's some things, you know, we... We need to set ourselves, there's some things we need, you know, you were destined for a better thing. So we need to kind of let some of those things that are not good for us go and take hold of some of those things that are good for us. 
but, but we have to cleanse ourselves. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. My, my grandmother had a one-acre garden. If you don't know how big an acre is, it's, if, when it comes to a garden, that is, that's ridiculous, okay? But, but grandma had, you know, she had sweet corn and asparagus and cabbage and onions and green beans and, and radishes and lettuce and pumpkin and rhubarb and strawberries and raspberries, gooseberries, uh, squash. Sometimes she put the squash out in the pasture because her garden didn't have room for it. Her, she had a big garden. And it was immaculate. There were no weeds in Grandma's garden. Okay? On the other end of things, I had a friend uh, also in Minnesota who, who uh, I, they invited me. They had a, like a, they had a, a, a little acreage, if you guys know farms. They had the little part of the farm that was where the buildings were is all. So they'd had just a, maybe 10 acres or so. All right? And they had a, they had a garden. I'd heard them talk about their garden. They invited me over for dinner one night. I went. Their geese chased me when I got there. <laughs> so, so we were in the kitchen, and the, 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 the wife of my friend said to him, can you run out to the garden and grab some corn? I wanted to have sweet corn with dinner tonight. He's like, sure. So I went out with him thinking I would see a garden, but I saw a big wall of weeds. Do you guys know what uh, horseweed is? They're very tall. And, and this garden consisted mostly of horseweed, as far as I could tell. I'm pretty sure nobody had ever pulled any weeds out of this garden. I was actually surprised when we walked. There was kind of a pathway, and as we kind of fumbled through the horseweed to get into the place where the garden was, I was surprised to find there actually was some corn growing there. It was not in good shape, but it was there, and we pushed the horseweed down, and got it out of the way, and finally actually found a couple ears of corn. But let me just talk to you a little bit. You know, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't really want weeds growing in your garden because they, they choke out the plants, and they take the water, and they take the nutrients out of the soil. But, but if you don't put any effort into your garden, it's going to look like that, and not like my grandma's garden. I have spent hours myself with a hoe out in Grandma's garden, but Grandma's out there every day. And if you're out there every day, the weeds don't get very big. They don't get taller than you and taller than the corn. But if you let them go, the weeds will take over. I can promise you this is the truth. I wish this was not a true story. Are you in 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Now in a large house... There are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, meaning set apart, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. Now, your house has several kinds of vessels. It has sinks, I imagine. It has... Uh, cups and bowls and plates. Your pro house probably has a toilet, I hope. Your house has a toilet. All right, now, all of these vessels have different uses, all right? 
Now, it mentions gold and silver. Gold and silver vessels are not as common in homes today as they were in Bible times. The wealthy people had lots of gold and silver vessels and cups and things like that. But they also had vessels like we have, like toilets and things like that. Now, you know, basically, this patch is saying, what kind, of, what kind of a vessel do you want to be? Do you want to be a toilet? No, I would think not. I hope not. But, but see, here, here's the deal. I, I'm just saying, I didn't write this, okay? It says here, okay, it says some to honor and some to dishonor. If you don't understand what that means, he's talking about toilets, okay? So anyway, all right. So, but, but look what it says there in verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself or herself, do you see that? It, it, it's not my job to, to fix Pastor Edwin, all right? It, it's not my job to cleanse him. It's not my job to tell him what he should and should not do. It's not, now, now if, if he's messing up bad, which he's not, but if he were, now I might say something to him. But for the most part, I'm not going to say anything to him because, because that's his job to cleanse himself. He's supposed to get light from the Word. First John... Chapter 1, if we walk in the light, what's the light? The light is the, the knowledge we have. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. See, see, I, I walk in the light. I walk in the knowledge that I have. I learned that that's a sin, and I shouldn't do that, so I'm not going to do those things, all right? It, it, it says here, if in a large house there's lots of vessels, go on to the next verse, and it says, if anyone cleanses himself from the dishonorable things, then you can be a vessel of honor. See that? Now, see, that's how... Now, we're talking about being filled. We're talking about being filled up. We're talking about overflowing. But you know what? If you got to get rid of some of the stuff, okay? Does that make sense? All right, you guys with me? All right, stay with me. All right. First <clears throat> um, Peter chapter 3. The third thing we need to do... Okay, first thing. We need to be ready to receive and have our vessels there. We need to be clean ourselves up a bit, set ourselves apart, all right? Like a garden. All right? Number three, we need to get rid of hindrances and weights. And I'm not necessarily sin, but get rid of hindrances and weights. First Peter chapter 3, are you there? All right, verse 7 says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Do you see that? So, so if it's possible for men's prayers to be hindered, is it possible for women's prayers to be hindered? Sure it is, of course. And, and is this the only way, do you suppose, that our prayers could be hindered? No, probably not. There's another, there's another verse that says, be self-controlled so that you can pray. Do you understand that when you've messed up, when you've done something you shouldn't have done, do you understand that, that when you try to pray, what happens? When you try to pray, when you've done something wrong, your brain, your whole person, you, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not the only, I'm not alone here, am I? No, you have this sin conscious that you're aware, oh, I messed up, right? And, and it's a hindrance to us. See, I'm not just free, you know, I, I, I'm not just free to pray. 
You know, if, if Jeff needs me to, be, be, to pray for him, I want to be free to pray. But if I don't control myself, if I don't walk in the way I should with my wife, if I don't walk in the way I should with the people around me, when I go to pray, there's going to be some hindrance there. Now, confess it, get it out of your life, straighten up. Mercies are new every morning, all right, right? But, but you know what? I don't want to have a hindrance. I want to get rid of the hindrances, okay? Uh, Hebrews 12, chapter 1, or chap- verse 1, rather, and, and verse 2, talk about weights and hindrances, okay? It talks about weights, the, the sin that so easily entangles us, but it also talks about weights, things that slow us down, that make it hard to run. You know, we, we, uh, we go to the gym every day, right? Not quite every day, no. No, nowhere close. <laughs> nowhere close. Okay, well, anyway, it's a good thought. Anyway, we, we go to the gym, and, and sometimes we work out with weights, but you know what? I don't pick up that, what, probably 150 pounds or so I've been curling with. No, no, probably not. Um, anyway, I don't pick up, I don't pick up two, two 50-pound uh, dumbbells one in each hand, and then go run around the track, okay? No, that's not how you do that. And if you do do that that way, uh, that, that, that you'll wear out fast. So, you know, but, but here's the deal. You know, we want to we wanna get rid of the hindrances and the weights. You know, we, we, you know what? Here's a great way to get rid of hindrances so that you can pray. Yeah, just don't say it. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes there's just things we say that we just don't need to say. And, and you know what? If I just shut up, usually, you know, within a few minutes, then I don't even remember what it was I was upset about, and I just move on. You know what I'm saying? All right, we'll keep going here. All right. You know, I, th- I think that... Uh, I think the ladies were talking about, in, in Bible study, talking about living deliberately. That's, that's so good. You know, if, if you live deliberately, if, if you're thinking about what you're doing and you're making choices that are in line with the Word of God, you know, you're not going to, you're going to be walking in self-control. You know, where, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, and the last one, self-control, that another word that could be translated there is strength. You know, God's just trying to make you strong. You know, strong enough to keep your mouth shut when you need to keep your mouth shut. And strong enough to, to walk in love with people that are hard to walk in love with. You know, that's what he wants. He's taken you to a place where you can walk in a way that not only pleases him, but you feel good about it too. Man, think about it. You know, when you make a good choice, when you walk in love with somebody who's difficult, you know, somebody at your job, somebody, you know, some neighbor, when you walk in love with those people, you walk away from that going, man, that was, wow, I'm really glad I handled that as well as I did, don't you? You should, you should pat yourself on the back. You'd be like, yes, thank you, Lord. We did good there, God, you and me. So, you know what, that's what he wants, though. So, he wants us to live deliberately, I like that. All right. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, and let's take a look at verse 15. 
last thing I want to address in, in, on this list is to, to uh, we need to, the, the, well, you'll see here. Verse 15, we need to be careful. Therefore, be careful. See that? Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Verse 16, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation or self-indulgence, but be filled with the Spirit. Look what it says in verse 19, though. It says, speaking. You know, there, there's some things that we ought to be saying. You know, we talk about zipping our lips sometimes, and I did a second ago, but, but you know what? There's a lot of things we should be saying. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, encouraging one another in the Word. Now, you know, I don't go around, you know, thus saith David, and thus saith the Lord to Mark, you know, I, you know, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, I don't, I don't talk to Mark that way, but you know what? But if, if, if Mark was in a place where he needed encouragement, you know what? What's the chance that the Lord would give you a verse to encourage him? You know, it's really high, okay? Does the Lord do that with you? I'll be talking to, to, to somebody on the phone and be like, you know, you know, this verse came to mind, you know, and, and it'll be just what they needed to hear. You know, I've had people do that to me. They'll call me. They'll be like, you know, they'll have a verse for me. You know, we can encourage one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but, but it keeps going there, all right? Verse 20, you see that one? Always giving thanks. You know, I've caught myself, I caught myself recently complaining quite a bit. And, and, you know, don't you just feel like you need to go take a shower when you're done complaining? You know, it's just like, you're just kind of like, ugh, that's not, it's just not a good feeling. It's just not a good feeling. You know, we, we, we deplete ourselves. You know, we're talking about staying full. We deplete ourselves when we start complaining when we start being negative about everything. You know what? I'll tell you what. Life is challenging. Jesus said that himself. Each day has trouble of its own. He, he gets it. He wasn't speaking out of faith there. He, he said that because each day does have trouble of its own, doesn't it? I, 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 I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, you know, they told me that they're... they're uh, their 21-year-old had, uh, had uh, uh, what do you call them, kidney stones. I was like, 21? <laughs> you know, that's really young, isn't it? But, but you know what? You know, you know, it's like, you know, and the person was like, yeah, they had a real bad day because then they had a car accident too. It's like, well, yeah, they had a bad day. But you know what? We, we, we might have a bad day. But, but you know what? There's so much more to be thankful for. That, that we can stay positive and, and we can keep speaking to one another and encouraging one another. And, and the Word says that we need to, you know, and be thankful. Mm. You know, when we're all, when, when we're that garden and we're all prepared, we're our, we got our vessel ready, we got our vessel cleaned up, you know, we're, we're speaking good things. You know, you're in a great position for God to, to uh, fill you up. 
in, uh, in, in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Um, in, in verse 14, you can turn there if you want, but you don't have to. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, talking about Jesus, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Verse 16, For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. You know, John, John walked with Jesus for those three years that Jesus was uh, on earth ministering. And the, 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 right before Jesus died, Jesus took time with the disciples. And if you look in the book of John, right before it gives the account of Jesus dying on the cross, if you have a red-letter Bible, there's like three or four chapters right in a row. It's almost solid red. And, and John wrote all this stuff down because it was Jesus' last words to his disciples. And, and one of the things that Jesus said to him, if you turn over there to John 14, Jesus was talking to them about how he was going to send the Holy Spirit to them and, and that they were going to be filled up with the Spirit of God. And, and they were sad because Jesus was telling them that he was going to leave and that he was going to go back to heaven. And they were like crushed. You can imagine. I mean, three years of, of solid time with Jesus. Can you imagine what that's like physically right there? And now he says he's leaving. And, and, and I'm sure they were crushed. But, but look at verse uh, verse 18 of John chapter 14, and it says, Jesus said this, I will not leave you as orphans. Don't you know that's exactly how they were feeling? You know, what's an orphan? It's a child whose parents have died, and, and there's not a parent there, a biological parent there to take care of them anymore. And there's the disciples feeling like, you know, Jesus is leaving us, he's abandoning us, he's going, he's leaving. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And verse, uh, verse 21, he who has my commandments is key and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Do you see that? All right, so Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. How is that? Because he was going to send the Spirit. The Spirit was going to abide with them, and he said, forever, okay? So the Holy Spirit's never going to leave us. He's going to stay with us forever. And, and through the Spirit of God, he discloses himself to us. You know, it, it's a wonderful thing to have a close friend, isn't it? You know, maybe that's, I hope that's your spouse if you're married, but, but, but you may have other friends, but it's a wonderful thing to have that intimacy, to have that time where you disclose yourself, disclose yourselves to one another and you share that intimacy. But, but Jesus is like, you know, I am coming to you. I'm coming back to you in the spirit and the spirit's going to be with you forever. And, and, and he wants us to be being filled with the spirit. He wants us speaking all right? He wants us uh, speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and encouraging one another and being thankful. But <clears throat> w- 
That, that, that intimacy that he wants from us, is the only way we can have that is by taking time with him. And, and you know, the world's busy, and it's scattered, and, and there's so many things going on, and, and life's just busy. And, and we just have to stop. And, and you know, if, if, if you know, it, it's, it's just like a friendship, though. You, you, you know, to, to develop a friendship, you just got to have time with somebody. You don't just develop that by, you know, being in the same room with them or going to the same church with them. you got to stop and actually take time with that person and, and develop that relationship. And, and for us to have that, that closeness with God where we get to the place where he's disclosing himself to us and, and he's being intimate with us and he's sharing things with us, we have to slow down and, and just take time. You know, well, I don't have time. Sure you do. If you're married, you take time with your spouse. If, 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 you are, if you're not married, you have friends, you take time with your friends. You know, if, if you don't take time with your friends, you know, come to church and hang out. You know, you're, you're taking time with people because it's important. But, but you know, we, we all feel busy. But, but to, we just have to just get a hold of ourselves and just slow down. When, when uh, there, were, there was a season in my life where uh, the Lord had me leave a job, and I had no idea where I was going next. I had no idea what the next step was at all. Now, he knew. That's why he told me to leave my job. I knew he told me to leave my job. But he, he said to me, he said, I want you to take extra time meditating in the Word. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I can do that. I didn't really, at that time, I didn't really know what that even entailed. So I just started going through, you know, the verses that I knew, and, and I just spent time. And, and you know what? The more time I spent, the more time he talked to me. And, and then he started talking to me about stuff. One time he said something to me that I had to ask him about years before he answered something. He hadn't forgotten that I asked him. But I'd never gotten slowed down and quiet enough to hear from him. See, it's not that, see, sometimes we feel like we're waiting on him. I'm telling you, he's waiting on us because you're not ready. Sometimes we're not ready for the answer. We think we're ready. We think we're ready for anything, but we're not ready. That's why we just have to slow down and just take time. You know, when, you know he hasn't forgotten those things. He knows exactly what you need. He knows the questions you have and the hurts you have and the things you want him to fix and the things you want him to heal. But, but you know what? As you slow down and just take that time with him, he's gonna, he'll start addressing those things, but you've got to take that step. 1 Corinthians uh, 2 says, Things that the eye has not seen and ear has not heard and that which has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You don't even know what he has for you. You don't even know what he wants to pour into your life. You don't even know what he wants to fill you up with, but he knows. But you're going to have to just slow down. Are you, uh, did I ask you to turn to Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. We're winding down now. Verse 14 of Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow, this is Paul praying 
for the Ephesians church, the second prayer in the book of Ephesians. The first one's at the end of chapter 1. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up, look at that, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I asked a, a traveling minister, a friend of mine, one day, what does that mean, the breadth, and length, and height, and depth? And they said to me something like, I don't know, who cares? I'm like, you know what, I want to know. You know, don't you want to know? To be filled with all the fullness of God, what is that breadth and length and height and depth? You know what? There's no fathoming that. There's no getting a hold of that. But you know what? It says right here, He wants to fill you up. He wants to fill you up more than you want to be filled. He wants to fill you in ways and show you things and take you places that you can't even imagine. And, and, you know, Paul's praying that for this church, the breadth and length and height and depth. You know what? You're, you're not going to know what that is until you get there. And when you get there, you're going to be like, this is good. Revelation 3 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, we use that when we're talking about salvation, but that isn't a salvation verse. That's Jesus. Behold, I stand at your door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. You know, he just wants to spend time with you. Why is he having to knock? Because we're busy. We got stuff going on. But you know what? He just loves you. He's not mad. He's not pounding down the door. He's knocking, okay? You know, he, he, he just wants some time with you. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Oh, how much he wants to spend time with you. How much he wants you to know him as he knows you. He wants to talk to you. He longs for you. So press in. Just press in. When you press in, you're going to find that which is abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. Because that's who he is. 